I was going to preach on something different, but this week I kind of got arrested about midweek and was like, well, I've got to, you know, I've been preaching 100-day dare, like what we're getting ready to read, and last week it was the cross and communion and resurrection, and I'm like, well, I've got to cover that. But then also in some of our reading last week was something that is also very important that I was like, I can't skip that. So we're going to have to dip back in just a little bit. But how many of you guys have ever baked something and left the key ingredient out? Anybody ever done that? Like baked a cake, left the flour out or something? It's like this dense mess you have to cut with a steak knife, right? Uh, something like that, or maybe replace the sugar for salt. You know, it's not very good when you put the wrong ingredient in or you miss an ingredient. Um, you know, especially if it's on your birthday, right? It's like, that's bad news. Well, what we're going to be looking at today actually has to do with the birthday, and it's the church's birthday. It's like when the church, and I'm not talking about journey church, I'm talking about the church, like all churches, birthday is found in Acts chapter 2. So this is what we're going to, we read this yesterday in our Bible reading, the 100 Day Dare, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now here's what I want you to understand. Every church that's on the planet today, every Bible-believing, Jesus-loving church that's on the planet today, every denomination, every variation traces its, its uh, roots back to this moment. Not only every church today, but every church throughout history, throughout time, ever since the church began, can all find, if it were a family tree, it would all come back to this day, this moment, this very thing, and what happened at this very moment. And something interesting happened at this very moment on the church's birthday. And that was something we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it happened on the birthday of the church so that power fell on people, the power of God, and God moved supernaturally on this day. Now, why is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this thing that happened on the church's birthday, the day the church was born, why is it so important to, connected to, and inseparable from this start of the church? And I believe it's this. I believe because God never, he, he always intended, let me say it this way, God always intended for the church to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. He always intended for that to happen. And let me tell you, the, the church in the early church did operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. They saw miracles. They saw signs. They saw wonders. Here at this moment, these tongues of fire came on their head so that they were speaking in languages they didn't know before, empowered by the Spirit of God. This was what happened in the early church. It was so important that, that every single church, again, let me just say this again, every single church that you've ever attended traces its lineage back to this moment. This was connected. Why? Because God, I believe God never intended for the church to operate outside of what's happened in this moment. Have you ever wondered why we don't see more of that? Like, why don't we see more of what happened in the book of Acts? Why don't we see more of what happened on the church's birthday? I believe it's because somewhere along the way we thought that we didn't need the power of the Holy Spirit. Somewhere along the way we thought we could do church 
go to church, be the church, differently than what the church started as. Somehow we, we thought that we could go in our own power instead of the power of the Holy Spirit. And boy, we've tried. We've come up with systems and methods and ways and packages and, and all sorts of things. And those things are good tools and strategies are good and wonderful and, and all those things are helpful. But remember, we talked about an essential ingredient. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is an essential ingredient for the church today. You can do it without it, but it's not the same. You can do it without it, but it is not how God intended for the church to operate. Can I be any more clear about this than what I'm trying to be? This is, this is how God designed it. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to uh, answer, try to go very quickly as I, if I can. I'm going to answer seven questions that I've heard a lot about this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'll, I'll, I won't be able to cover everything. Believe me, the hardest thing for me this week, I could talk about this for hours, is to figure out what not to say rather than what to say because there's so much I can say. Um, and, and hopefully it does raise some questions, and I'd be happy to answer any of them for you uh, if you have them. But I'm going to go through these very quickly, seven questions about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the first one is very simple. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Like, if you've never heard about this or wondered about this, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? When Jesus left the planet, when he was leaving the disciples, he said, it's going to be better that I leave. And they couldn't believe this because they had Jesus, and Jesus was doing miracles with them every day. But he said, it's going to be better that you leave. Why? Because I'm going to give you something that's going to make the, this even better than what it was. And we find out what it is in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. It says, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Very simply, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is what was promised by God. This is what was promised that Jesus would baptize people in the Holy Spirit, and so when we get saved, we follow that with a water baptism. We did water baptism here just a few weeks ago. But what Jesus is talking about here in these scriptures is not water baptism. It's another kind of baptism. It's called, we, you would call it the baptism with the Holy Spirit or spirit baptism. So just like we were baptized in water, there's something that he's talking about here that we'll look at that's distinct from that that's being baptized in the Spirit. And this was launched on the day of Pentecost at the birthplace of the church. And again, God never intended for us to be without it. Basically, if you want to, basically every theologian and every scholar down through the ages believes that this event in Acts chapter 2 happened. It, it was literal. It actually happened. Every one of them believes that it was from God. It wasn't from the devil or something. It was an actual God thing that it was a gift for the church. Now, the disagreement happens over what happens next, and that's what we're going to talk about. So that's, but that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. Now, sometimes we get confused about this because it's like, well, at salvation, didn't I receive the Holy Spirit? I mean, the Holy Spirit's God, right? So, and the answer, the short answer is yes. But to help us understand this even further, Pastor Aaron has an illustration for us that he's done on video, so let's watch. So we have a little illustration here of what it looks like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now at salvation, when you got saved, you were filled with the Spirit. The Bible talks about this. So in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 through 17, it says, Do you not know that you are God's temple 
and that God's spirit lives in you. You're God's temple. God's spirit lives in you. And it also says in John 20, 22, that Jesus breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So we see this thing that happens where Jesus breathes on the disciples. This is after he's already risen from the dead. He breathes on the disciples and he tells them, receive the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit is in us. Now, after this event, Jesus tells his disciples to go to Jerusalem and to wait there to receive power. Now, remember, he already breathed on the disciples to receive the Holy Spirit, right? And then he says, go to, the whole, the, to Jerusalem to receive power. It says this in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so he says that the Holy Spirit will come upon them. Now, this is after he breathed on them, right? And so what is the difference between the Holy Spirit coming in and in John 20, and then in Acts 1.8, him saying that the Holy Spirit will come upon them? Well, like I said, in salvation, when you receive Jesus, you receive the Spirit of God in you, and your body becomes a container of the Holy Spirit, just like this glass becomes a container and is filled with this water. But what happens when we're baptized? Now, remember, just a couple weeks ago, Pastor Sean taught on baptism, and he taught about how the word baptism actually means to be immersed. And so here's the picture. When you, a born-again, regenerated person, filled with the Spirit of God, become baptized in the Spirit, you then become immersed <laughs> in the Spirit. So this is you in the Spirit and the Spirit in you. All right, so that's one way to look at it. It's helpful for some people. So that's what it's like. Now, as a result of this, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's like it unlocks these spiritual gifts because you are immersed in the Spirit. And we see some of these spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 11. It says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit, or given through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom. These are lists of gifts of the Spirit. I don't have time to break them all down. Maybe we can do that another time. Just give you a sample of it. And to another, an utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So we looked at what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. Another question I quite often get, and this is going to break it down for those of you guys who maybe have questions about this. Some of this, maybe you haven't even thought about this before. Maybe you're newer to this, uh, and this may not be as important to you, but for some it's very important. And here's this, a second question. Didn't spiritual gifts and miracles die off with the apostles or when the Bible was written? Like all this stuff that happened in the book of Acts and all of these gifts of the Spirit that are listed here, 
We don't need those anymore, right? Because when the Bible was written or when the apostles uh, died off, that was kind of closing the book on that. That's what, uh, uh, that's what some people will teach on this. Now, to help us understand and to answer this question, I want you to use your imagination with me for a second. Can you just imagine for a moment like this warm chocolate chip cookie? Is anybody hungry right now? Just this warm... I'm on a fast right now, so I'm not able to partake in this particular food, but, uh, so I can't go there totally uh, with you guys, but just imagine the perfect warm chocolate chip cookie. I had one of these before. It was awesome. And then, then imagine a tall, ice-cold glass of milk, like right beside it, and you begin to eat the cookie. And I did this one time. I had the perfect chocolate chip cookie. I'm eating it as warm as perfect, everything, tall glass of, of milk. And I just started, you, what do you do? You just start guzzling the milk, right? And I got halfway through it and realized the milk was bad. <laughs> but I was already halfway in it. It was too late. There was no turning back, right? Because how many of you guys know expiration dates are important, right? You need to pay attention to those, right? How many of you guys just admit you got stuff in your cabinet right now that you're walking on the wild side? You're going to take a chance on that expiration date. I mean, you're living it up, right? And you know when you cross that line, you're walking on the wild side a little bit because expiration dates are important. Now, when we talk about this topic with spiritual gifts, an expiration date would be important, wouldn't it? Like if, if the spiritual gifts have an expiration date, we, should not, we, should, we shouldn't be doing that anymore. But the question is, is there an expiration date in the Bible? Not in your tradition, not what you've been taught, but in the Bible for spiritual gifts. Is there an expiration? Because if there was an expiration date, that'd be important. And let me just give you the answer, no. I don't have time to get into all of it. I'm happy to break that down for you. But you will not find an expiration date in Scripture for the spiritual gifts. Let me give you a way to think about this. Uh, if there's like a military order that's given, for example, that order is in effect until it's been rescinded, right? Like you are, like that order is in effect until it's told, okay, this is no longer in effect, right? And that's the same with spiritual gifts. Let me give you another place where this happens. And this is a famous scripture to help us understand expiration dates and what we do and what we don't do. Let me give you a famous passage of scripture. And many of you guys have heard this. It's Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. It says this, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys have heard this before? How many of you guys believe we are supposed to do this? I just want, no, you gotta go on record. If you believe, you're supposed to do this, right? We are supposed to do this. Why are we supposed to do this? Because we were never told to stop. But wait a minute. Jesus was just talking to those disciples, Right? No, he was talking to them, but also through them to us, just like scripture does in every other topic, right? The same is true with spiritual gifts. When Paul says, I want you to desire spiritual gifts, I want you to pursue spiritual gifts. When Jesus says, uh, you can be clothed with power from on high, when we see the example over and over again throughout the New Testament of people being baptized in the Holy Spirit, let me just tell you, we were never told to stop doing this. We were never told that it was going to end at that day. We were never told to stop. And so you might have an issue with spiritual gifts. You might have an issue with what I'm preaching today, but you don't have an issue with me. You got an issue with this. 
I don't know how, else to, uh, to, how more plain I can say it, you know? And I'm not trying to be combative, but I am trying to be upfront with you. Because this is what the Bible teaches, okay? So we are to pursue all of the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because we were never told to stop. All right, now, for some of us, though, we've kind of grown up, and we know a little bit about this topic. And we're saying, I, okay, I believe, I, you know, I believe in the spiritual gifts, but I really got an issue with that speaking in tongues sort of thing, because that kind of, it kind of stands out there, you know? And so, uh, you know, I believe people can do that, but I get this question a lot. If someone speaks in tongues, and we'll talk about what that is here in a second, if someone speaks in tongues, don't they need an interpreter or they shouldn't do it at all? And let's find out, because that would be an important distinction. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5. Paul says this, now I want you all to speak in tongues. That's the first thing we need to take note of. He, he's encouraging us all to speak in tongues, this power, this gift of the Spirit that, that is gifted. But even more to prophesy. Now watch, we'll see why this is important. Because the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. I want you to see something very important here. The context is in the church, in a church service, so that the church can be built up. And Paul says very plainly, if you're in a church service like we are right now, the most important thing, the whole purpose of what we're doing right now is so that everyone gets built up. And so he's saying, I would rather you prophesy in a way that everyone is built up than speak in a tongue where somebody misunderstands or doesn't understand at all. Why? Because the purpose is for everyone to be built up in this gathering. So what is the gift of tongues? The gift of tongues is a spiritual utterance given by the Holy Spirit to communicate in a language not previously known or understood by the speaker. It's an, it's an amazing power of God flowing through somebody to be able to speak in a language, whether an earthly language or a heavenly language. Uh, on, in the book of Acts chapter 2, they spoke in languages that there was all sorts of, of people gathered around from different countries and different languages, and they all spoke in different languages they didn't know before, but the other people heard it in their own language. It was a miracle of God. There's also other ways this happens. So if someone speaks in tongues, don't they need an interpreter? The answer is yes, they do. If you're in church, if you're in a public gathering. The answer is yes and no. The reason why is because that question assumes that you only speak in tongues in a public way. And that's not how Paul talked about the entirety of speaking in tongues. He didn't just talk about speaking in tongues in a public way. and Because there is a public gift of tongues, but then there's also a private prayer language of tongues. I want you to notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a couple different times, it talks about various types of tongues. There are various types of this gift, and some of them are seen in the book of Acts. By the way, there was no interpreter in Acts chapter 2. Um, but there's also a public tongue, a missionary-type gift tongue, where somebody uh, needs to hear in their language, and you don't know it, and God empowers that. But there's also this private gift. So the, the public gift is to build the church. The private gift is to build the believer. Jude chapter 1, verse 20 says this, But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. We call this a spiritual prayer language or a private prayer language that's an utterance of the Spirit uh, that you would pray in a heavenly language uh, that God empowers. Now, if, if you want a little more clarity on this, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18 and 19. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. How many of you guys know that 
Paul's saying, I spoke in tongues a lot, right? How do you guys know that? He's like, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you, as if it's a competition, right? And he says, but, but watch what he says. He says, nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Again, he's going back to saying, in a public gathering, I would rather speak in a way that builds up everyone rather than just building up myself. So what, Paul, what is Paul talking about here? He says, number one, I speak in tongues all the time. However, in church, I don't speak in tongues very much. So where does he speak in tongues? Outside of church, in his prayer life. But yet even in church, he talks about, even in, not in a public way, he will still find a way to, to pray and to build himself up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15, he says, so what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. He's saying, even when I'm in church, I'm gonna pray in the spirit and build myself up in my prayer and in my worship. So I have people ask me all the time, like, do people, does, do, do people in Journey Church like pray in tongues in service? Like, is there speaking in tongues in Journey Church? And I say it this way, every service I'm at, because I'm right down here, I'm praying in the spirit during worship. I'm singing in the spirit in worship. I'm not getting up in the microphone and doing that, but I'm praying in the spirit. That's one of the ways I can worship and pray to God. And by the way, you can too. And so that happens in Journey Church every single week. All right, so don't have time to keep going there. So much more to say. Uh, number four, some people, we kind of addressed this already, but, but didn't I get everything I need from the Holy Spirit at salvation? That's the question. Didn't I get everything I needed at salvation from the Holy Spirit? Now, to help us understand this, I'm gonna show a foundational video from Pastor Robert Morris because he explains it so much better than I could. And there's an assumption that we make that we only get baptized once. We talked about water baptism, but there are other baptisms that we've already mentioned that Scripture talks about that many times we don't think about. But he lays it out. Let's watch. By one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. So the Holy Spirit baptizes us into, this is the body here, is the body of Christ, our Jesus. So I'm going to do something that I don't do a lot, but I'm going to write it on the board because I, I think it will help us to, to see this, all right? So the Holy Spirit, and you'll see, you'll see why as we go along here and, and how it comes together for us, baptizes us in Jesus. All right? Everyone got that? Thank you. All right. Here's number two. All right? And I'll just go ahead and write it on the board. The disciple baptizes us us in water. You can tell from my writing that I have a doctor's degree. So <clears throat> the disciples baptizes us. Someone asked me what my doctor was in. It's in literature, actually. And they said, oh, what does that mean? I said, I really don't know. But anyway, all right. The disciple baptized us in water. Now, you don't need to turn this scripture, all right? We'll get to Matthew 3 in a minute. This is a very famous scripture, Matthew 28, 19. Jesus said, go, therefore, and make Disciples. This is the Greek word, mathetuseta. So all of you can remember that. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them or immersing them 
in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this would be in water. Notice I said the disciple, because when we get baptized in water, it doesn't have to be a pastor. It's just a disciple. Uh, we've had many fathers baptize their children uh, because it needs to be a disciple. So everyone knows about water baptism, and we've done whole messages on water baptism. I'm simply showing that to you because I want to show you three baptisms that we all need to experience, all right? So here's number three. I'll go ahead and write it on the board for you, and it'll come on the screen. This one doesn't start with the word thee, and I was just testing you to see if you knew that. <laughs> Jesus baptizes us in, there's the thee, the Holy Spirit. Last night I misspelled holy and put hoy. My wife was gracious enough to point it out to me. So, Jesus baptized us in the Holy Spirit. This is what we want to focus on. The whole message we want to talk about, receiving the Holy Spirit, or what the Bible calls the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the reason I want to show you this is because it's very important to understand the difference between this first baptism and the third baptism. And this is actually, I wish I hadn't have taken my marker, but I'll use a different color then. This is actually, if you want to talk about grammar, this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and this is the baptism in or with the Holy Spirit. This is what tricked me up because, because I, 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 when someone says something, I hear exactly what they say grammatically. And so people would say, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? In other words, the baptism that the Holy Spirit performs. I would say, yes, when I got saved. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. But the Bible talks specifically about a baptism in or with the Holy Spirit. And let me show it to you. Everyone in Matthew 3 now, just flip over there to Matthew 3. You are in 1 Corinthians 12, now go to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew 3, verse 11. This is John the Baptist speaking. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, now he's referring to Jesus, obviously, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. With is a, a preposition, and even in the Greek, it's an article which could be translated in, in or with. They mean the same, all right? Notice very carefully, he will baptize you with the Spirit. Now, I want you just to remember in your mind, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, where we started. It said, by the Spirit, we are baptized into the body, into Jesus. So, number one, again, the Holy Spirit baptized us in Jesus. But notice very carefully in Matthew 3, 11, He, Jesus, will baptize you with or in the Spirit. Now, listen to me carefully. Theologically, these can't be the same. But here's what really gets to me. Grammatically, they can't be the same. You have two different subjects. There is no way that any theologian or any grammarian could tell me that these are the same. They cannot be the same. Because one is the Holy Spirit that baptizes you into the body of Christ. But this is very clearly Jesus baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. 
So it's important to have that distinction because some of us think, well, I've got saved. That's all I need, so this doesn't really apply to me. But there are three distinct things. Saved, water baptized, spirit baptized. Let me give you one example, and then you can look. There's, it's all through Scripture, but I'll give you one example of this happening in Acts chapter 8. Verse 12, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So what happened right there? Let's just stop right there. They were saved and water baptized. Does everybody see that? They believed the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They got saved. But they also got water baptized, both men and women, and even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles he per miracles performed, he was amazed. Now watch what happens here. They've been saved and water baptized. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, so what happened? People got saved, water baptized, some time went by, word gets back to Jerusalem that these people have gotten saved and water baptized. And their response to them was what? Well, I guess they got everything they needed. N no. Their response to them was they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them. For what? That they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. I don't know how much more clear it can be than that. Amen. Saved, water baptized, time went by, let's send them back because they haven't received this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Many, and this is where I believe many believers are at. They have been saved and water baptized, but they have not been baptized in the Spirit. And there's an important reason why this needs to happen because it's, it's apparent that we don't get everything that we need from the Holy Spirit at salvation because we're told to desire more, to pursue more. The baptism of the Holy Spirit occurred after in so many, in so many cases in Scripture. I'll give you another case you can research at home. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 6, you see the same pattern again. It happens time and time again. You can find it on your own if you want to do some study. That's the pattern that happened. It is distinct. The baptism of the Spirit is distinct from salvation and usually resulted in a spiritual prayer language that I talked about and that Paul talked about. As a result of what happened, these spiritual gifts begin to flow. All right, number five. got to move quickly, guys. Number five. Am I a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God if I don't get baptized in the Holy Spirit? Like, are there, like, am I somehow less than? And the answer to that is no. You are not a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God. But what I will say is this. There's a definite before and after for every person we see in Scripture who's baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's a before and after. I mean, think about Peter. Peter, before, he was all running away and denying Jesus, but then he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he's standing up and preaching the gospel. Every person I personally know who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit, there is a before and there's an after. I like the way somebody said it one time. It's not that, it, because sometimes we can kind of think this way, but being baptized in the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit makes me better than me. Because I know when I receive the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit flows through me, I'm better than me. I'm not better than you, I'm better than me. And that's the whole point of the power of the Holy Spirit because God wants to give you power beyond your natural ability. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 says, And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. Those are, those are fine, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. God wants to give you power beyond your natural ability. Spiritual gifts are not natural abilities. They're empowered by the Spirit of God. Now, I, I don't know why some people have a problem with that. I really don't understand why we have a problem with how, why would God, like how can God move through us and heal people and speak in, in different ways that we don't expect? How, like I don't understand why people have a problem with that because if you're a believer right now, you are gathered in this place worshiping a God that you haven't seen with your eyes, yet believing that he created everything that we see with our eyes. So we believe in an all-powerful, amazing God and yet for some reason we struggle that somehow God's power could be at work in us. Some of us just need to open it up just a little bit because we've had, our, we've had God in a box. We believe he's a big sovereign God, but a God that's so distant that he doesn't make a difference in my own life. But that is not the God that we serve. God wants to move through you and partner with you in miraculous ways to reach the world, power beyond your natural ability. He's that kind of God. He created everything we see, and we're here to worship him even though we don't see him, and he wants to work and move through you. All right, number six. But is this just for some people and not for all people? Now, let's go back to Acts chapter two. Tongues of fire happen. Miraculous thing happens. Peter gets up, preaches a sermon, a bunch of people are getting ready to get saved in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and, Peter, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Watch, you'll see the three baptisms right here. It says, Repent, that means get saved. Be baptized, that's water baptism. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, which is, by the way, where most people stop. But then there's also, you, can receive, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Three baptisms right there. All three separate and distinct things. Just like... We looked at earlier. But then he goes on and he begins to tell us who this is for. Acts chapter 2, verse 39. He says, For the promise, remember the promise of the Father is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you. So Peter said, Everyone who's hearing me right now, the promise, this baptism is for you. But that's it. We're stopping it right now because it's just going to be for you who, are, who just decided to get up out of bed on daylight savings time, and it's just for you guys. And that's it. No, he, he goes on. He says, it's for you and it's for your kids. So for all of you who are listening at the moment, Peter gets up and stands right and says, and it's for your kids over in, uh, you know, Apostles Church of Christ, Journey Kids, whatever you want to call that kids ministry. It's for them too. But then everybody else who didn't show up today missed it. No, he says, it is for you it's for your children, and it's for all who are far off. So Peter, what he was saying there is that it's for you, it's for your kids, it's for everybody who was alive on the planet at the time that Peter was speaking, but then when the last person dies, that's it. No, he didn't say that either, did he? He said it's for you, it's for your children, it's for all who are far off, everyone alive on the planet, and for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. How many of you guys believe that the Lord is still calling people to himself? So that means the promise is for you, it is for me, it's for us, it's for today. So we have to make a decision. Is it for me? And to answer that question, it's very simple. If you're a believer, if you've been saved and water baptized, you just ask this question. Have I been baptized with the Holy Spirit? 
have I had a moment where I've been baptized with the Spirit? Because here's what I know. You can receive God's grace and still not be walking in God's power. And God's grace is wonderful, isn't it? Oh, we talked about that last week. And God's grace is so wonderful that that's where a lot of us just camp out. But many people have received God's grace, and you're walking in God's grace, and you're experiencing God's grace. And you're, you, know, you're, you, you love God and all of those things, but you can receive God's grace and still not be walking in the power of God that was talked about, about at the birthplace of the church. That God never intended for us to be without, it's an essential ingredient. So that leads us to question number seven, which is this, how do I receive? And at this time, we're going to have the worship team come back up, but Jesus makes it very, very simple. And he says in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, he says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, he's saying, you guys are, you guys are parents. You're imperfect parents. Yet you still know what a good gift is and how to give that to your kids. He says, that how much more will the Heavenly Father, who's a perfect Heavenly Father, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And so we simply ask by faith. You know, it's the same thing at salvation. We, we just simply come and we receive by faith. We just receive by faith. It's that simple. And some of us are like, well, but I don't want to receive something. Like, I don't want to, you know, have something from the devil. I've heard this is from the devil. Listen, he says there, if you ask him, you're not going to, he's not going to give you a snake. He's not going to give you a stone. He's going to give you a good gift. He's going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we simply ask. We receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith. Now, I want to ask everyone to stand up with us, and, and I'm going to, just say a few more things, and then we're going to have a moment where you can respond to this. Last Thursday at our leaders meeting, we have a ministry leaders meeting, and we just had a time of prayer and worship. And we had gifts of the Spirit happening, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy. We had healings happen. We had the power of God move. Just in our leadership gathering, on a regular Thursday night. This is just what happens. The power of God showed up. I could tell you story after story. I wish I, had, I wish I had 14 sermons to preach this message. But I could tell you story after story of time after time of people in this room who God flowed through them with the power of the Holy Spirit and move, it would blow your mind. Visions that have happened, specific words that there's no other way that people could know about healings that have happened, spot on things, prophetic words, all of these things, speaking in tongues, all of these things. I could tell you stories that would blow your mind of specifics that God has done. And here's my question to you. Have you ever had this thought? Why don't I have stories like that? Why don't I see more of what happens in the Bible? Why don't I have those stories? If you have that question, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for you. There can be a before and after for you. And I believe, you know, just like every disciple that was in that upper room, every single disciple, everyone you read about in Scripture, every one of your apostolic heroes, Mary, all of them, every single one of them spoke in tongues. 
Every single one of them flowed in the spiritual gifts. As a result, they were there in the upper room. And here's what I believe. I believe that God has an upper room moment for many of you today, right now. Even if you're watching right now online or listening somewhere, you can still receive. But what do you do? You just simply ask. And we ask by faith. And some of you will resist this because of maybe a tradition that you grew up in, a certain denomination said this wasn't for today. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to set that aside for just a second and to be willing to open up your heart to what the scripture says, not what your denomination has said. What does the scripture say? And some of us, we have, we'll have trouble asking because our mind, we want to just try to figure everything out in our mind. Listen, God wants to do things. We talked about it last week with humility. You have to trade in your thoughts for God's thoughts. That God's ways are higher than our ways. That God does things. If we had God all figured out, we would be God, right? But we serve a God who's much bigger than us. And we have to yield to him by faith. But we just need to simply receive. And so here's what's going to happen. This is how I saw it as I was praying about it this week. That I'm just going to give an invitation for anyone who wants to receive. And we're just going to come and we're going to come expecting by faith to receive. We're just simply going to ask. And I believe as a result of that, spiritual gifts are going to be deposited and flow. Some of you guys will feel something. Some of you guys will feel nothing. And that's perfectly fine. But you're asking by faith. And so you are receiving by faith. But I'm going to invite you to come. And then I'm also going to open this up. I felt compelled to do this for a second category of people who, for whatever reason, you have set this aside. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you've set the gifts on the shelf. And you need a fresh filling today. You need to reactivate today. And I want to invite you to come as well. And so right now, it's going to take boldness for somebody to be the first one to step out. But I want you to come right now. If you want to receive this, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, if you want to, uh, you know, come back and reactivate some things, just line up across the front here. And here's what's going to happen. We're going to just ask together. We're just going to ask together. You, you don't have to kneel. You can if you want, but you can stand. That's, that's just fine as well. Make sure you make room for people as they come up because there's going to be, we're going to need to make some room up here. And, and we're simply going to receive. And here's what's going to happen. God isn't going to come down and move your mouth or do certain things and make you do certain things. We cooperate with the Holy Spirit by faith. And so as we, some of you, here, I'm just going to give you an example of what's going to happen. For some of you, you're going to feel something kind of inside of you that almost needs to be let out. It's like the Holy Spirit just wanted to kind of come out, right? And you may find yourself speaking in tongues. You may find yourself with this gift activated in your life you begin to, you don't, it doesn't make sense to your mind. It, the Holy Spirit is praying through you. And so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to have our prayer teams, as we worship through this, this song, they're going to come and they're going to, we're going to do exactly what the Bible said. We're going to lay hands on you and we're going to pray for you to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And here's what's going to happen. You may hear some of them praying in their prayer language and that's perfectly acceptable in this environment. They're not publicly using their gift, but they are praying and building up their faith and helping you build up your faith. 
And so you might hear them praying in their spiritual prayer language. And if you're in the, the, you know, in your seat right now, you can stretch a hand towards these people. You can begin to pray for them. You can also pray in the spirit if you want to as well. And we're going to just simply receive. And so I'm going to pray a prayer, and you guys can just pray this in your own words. But God, we just receive the gift of the Holy Spirit right now. We, we know your word says that if we ask, we will receive. But you are a good God who loves your kids. And so we just ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit right now. We expect that spiritual gifts are going to begin to flow. We reactivate. Some of us are down here right now to get refilled and reactivated. Lord, I just pray right now for the spiritual gifts to be deposited, for people to begin to pray in other tongues, for people to begin to have boldness, boldness like they've never had before, for people to begin to even prophesy right now. We just speak that out right now and we receive it by faith right now. We receive it by faith right now. You put yourself in a posture to, to receive. You put yourself in, have a hunger right now. Our job is simply to hunger and thirst after righteousness and you will be filled. As we sang that song earlier, that you fill us, the hungry heart, you fill us with good things. And so right now, we begin to receive. Right now, prayer teams, if you would come and begin to lay your hands on people. If you're receiving, just simply receive. Just simply begin to activate what God is stirring. You might feel a stirring on the inside of you. Maybe the only way you can describe it. But right now, you are going to receive. You don't have to work something up. You don't have to feel something, but you might. And that's okay, too. But we simply receive. And so right now, we pray for these people. And we just simply say, receive the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus be baptized in the Holy Spirit. As the worship team plays, we're going to give you some space just to have a moment with God right now.